the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, March the 4th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on March 4th, 1865, President Abraham Lincoln was inaugurated for his second term of office. The end of the Civil War was in sight. Lincoln told the nation, those present, he said, with malice toward none, with charity for all. That's a pretty good message. We should probably repeat that in today's political environment as well. Today in 1789, the Constitution of the United States went into effect as the first federal Congress met in New York. Lawmakers adjourned, however, because they didn't have a quorum. (laughs) The guys were traveling by horseback and some of them were delayed along the way. They got there the next day and they carried on. Today in 1791, Vermont became the 14th state Bernie Sanders, Vermont. We'll get to him in a moment. Today in 1793, George Washington was sworn in for a second term as President of the United States. Today in 1925, President Calvin Coolidge's inauguration was broadcast live, coast to coast, they said at the time, was on 21 radio stations. But that was the first time that had happened. Today in 1933, Franklin D. Roosevelt took office as America's 32nd president. Today in 1966, some of you will remember this. I do. I remember it well. Today in 1966, John Lennon with the Beatles. They had just become world famous thanks to American television, among other things. But John Lennon of the Beatles was quoted by the London London Evening Standard newspaper as saying, quote, we're more popular than Jesus now. Well, after his comments, <laughs> there was a backlash in America. I wonder if there'd be a backlash today. I hope so. But there was a huge backlash in America. Lennon, realizing that that was a great market for the Beatles selling their records, he tried to clarify his remarks. He said, well, to the reporters, he said, well, he said, if I had said television was more popular than Jesus, I might have gotten away with it. Well, people are getting away with a lot more than that nowadays, and I'm going to talk to you about how people are mocking God as they mock Vice President Pence in particular, but President Trump as well. We'll get to that in a moment. Today, in 1974, the first issue of People magazine was published. Today, in 1998, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that sexual harassment at work can be illegal even when the offender and the victim are of the same gender. And five years ago today, a House committee investigating the Benghazi-Libya matter that issued subpoenas for the emails of Hillary Rodham Clinton, then Secretary of State. The, sub- the subpoenas from the Select Committee on Benghazi came the same day that the Associated Press reported the existence of her personal email server, which had been used for America's business 
was traced back to their home in uh, Chappaqua, New York. They found it in her closet. Well, there's going to be more things come out of her closet because she has been subpoenaed to appear before a committee. This time it's for real. It's not a bunch of people who cover for the left. It's some people who truly do want to get to the truth. Yes, they're Republicans, but more than that, they're conservative and they're honest. And they really want to get to the matter. They don't want to see Hillary Clinton skate and not be responsible or have any consequences for all of the lawlessness that she seemed to feel was okay for her, but not for anyone else. It's that old principle that, you know, this is, this is good for thee, but not for me. The left has kind of a penchant for that. There's news this morning in Seattle that uh, seven of the nine people who have died from what they're calling COVID-19 now, the coronavirus, seven of them, seven of the nine in the United States lived at Life Care Center in Kirkland. I think most of us know that now. That's still unfolding. One of the residents was taken this morning by ambulance from Life Center just a couple of hours ago, and um, their condition has not been made known, but obviously it was grave because an ambulance came to the nursing home and took them to a hospital somewhere, probably Overlake, or I, I don't know where they went. But anyway, that happened this morning. Nursing homes are becoming more and more a focus because um, one doctor who works at several of them in Seattle and others across the country are saying this as well, that they're, they're becoming very fearful that there's not enough being done, but they're not sure what can be done uh, other than just, you know, hyper-cleaning and all this kind of thing in these nursing homes. There's a number of stories out there this morning. I'll, I'll just touch on a couple of them to bring you up to date. I'm sure you are up to date on what's happening, but... Uh, one of the things that came out of Seattle, because Washington is kind of the leader of deaths. I mean, more people have died from this in Washington than anywhere Washington State than anywhere in the world. And um, there's people this morning saying in Seattle that the, they, the red tape around testing this virus, it allowed it to spread quietly for weeks in Washington. Well, I, it did spread quietly in Washington. I think it's spreading quietly in other places as well. But the CDC is saying that it, there could be a million new cases nationwide, but they say labs are not uh, capable or it's not possible for the labs to handle all of the testing if it gets to that point. And uh, they said they have been surprised by the, by the speed of the outbreak. They say there's one behavior, if, it's, if you really want to do something to help on this matter, there's one thing you can do, and anybody can do it. And they say, if you want to help slow down the spread of this coronavirus, stop touching your face. Everybody tends to, you know, like rub their chin when they're thinking deeply or whatever. We all do it. I know I do, and I don't even think about it till I hear these people telling us not to do it, and then... I have I, when I hear them tell me not to do it, I, I just reactively want to reach up and kind of, you know, I don't know, touch my face or something. Not in rebellion, but just because, I don't know, it's a suggestion. But we all do it, they say. And if we just stop that one thing, 
it would help. So the assignment for no, I'm kidding. The coronavirus is exposing another disease. The Seattle Times has this op-ed column today by a guy who's way out there on the left, Danny Westney. But they, they say the big problem with this is it's being politicized. And they go into it and they talk about how that the, the conservatives are politicizing it and uh, on and on and on. Well, if it's being politicized, and it is, it's being done so by the left, not by conservatives. There is one thing I wanted to leave with you this morning on that topic before we move along here. I wanted to tell you that God is faithful. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 121, 3 and 4, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keeps Israel shall neither neither sleep nor slumber. The hidden message in all of that, the deep meaning, the real meaning of those words, (laughs) is that God doesn't go to sleep. He doesn't need a break. God's in control. And God is faithful. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. His eye is on the sparrow. Obviously, his eye is on you and me. And it will continue to be. God does not ignore. And God is not caught by surprise. And God is never unfaithful to his people. 1 Corinthians chapter Chapter 1, verse 9, Paul wrote, God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God has laid all of the groundwork. And if I were in the pulpit in the church as a pastor, as I was for many years, I would preach a sermon on this this morning. I won't do that, but I will tell you that God is faithful. You can count on that. We live in a changing world. It's like standing in water clear up to your neck. And the tide, the riptides, the the tides are coming and going. They're in and they're out. They're pulling. They're twisting. They're turning. Everything in our world is changing. It's fluid. There seems to be no solid footing, no absolutes. But the one thing that the believer can stand on... Now, if you're not a Christian... If you're not in a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, this does not apply. I mean, I'm sorry, but it doesn't. But you too can have that relationship with God because Christ died for everyone, regardless of how deep and dark and dirty the sin is. Jesus Christ died for it. And all all you need to do is to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, into your heart and forgive your sins and acknowledge with your mouth and believe with your heart that he is indeed the Son of God, that God became flesh and dwelt among us through the virgin birth, that he died and was resurrected for your sins. And you pray that prayer and say, God, forgive me my sins. I want to have a relationship with you. That's what brings us into this relationship where God is faithful, by whom you were called under the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the thing of it is, God brings us into relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And in that context, he will never leave you nor forsake you.
God is faithful. God is in control. Never, ever forget that. Thank you for your support. We wouldn't be here today. We would not have the microphone on and we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. I got this note. I read every note we get. And we're getting more all the time. It isn't as though we don't get many, so it doesn't take me long. It takes a while, but I, I read every note that's sent to us. And I'm not suggesting you send notes. I am suggesting you send support. If you want to send notes, that's great. I read them. They're encouraging. This one says, hello, Gary. I'm a 51-year-old husband and father of four in names the town in Washington State. I look forward to your program every day. You're a voice of reason and inspiration to me and many others in these confusing times. I know that this amount is not a game changer. Send a check. It is a generous check. It's not a game changer, but I hope it will help expand <coughs> your reach. For I believe the more people you reach, the better off we will all be. Thank you so much. I do believe what we're doing is helpful, not because we're doing it, because, but I believe God can help people. And if we look at the culture through the eyes and the lens of God's word, it, it clarifies a lot of things. And I do believe, I feel very strongly about this, and that's why we do it. We, we were down last month from the previous month, and our budget needs to catch up. And so I'm asking you to do what you can to help us. Your contribution is tax deductible. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Well, yesterday was called Super Tuesday. The Democrats came out in a number of states around the country. I'm not going to spend much time on this, but just to touch base with you on what happened, the you know the consequences of this election obviously is going to come to bear and very important to the nation and to our future and and so on. Super Tuesday, they called it. Biden basically is roaring this morning. He's just also stammering a little bit, but he said, we're very much alive. I found it interesting that he even had to tell his supporters that he was very much alive, but he did. He's calling himself <laughs> the comeback kid. He did win. He won in Alabama, North Carolina, Virginia, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Arkansas, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Texas. Nobody thought he was going to win in Texas. Bernie was supposed to win that, for sure. And some of those other states, there's headlines out there today that are calling it jaw-dropping. I think Bernie's jaw probably dropped, too. He thought he was going to win states that he didn't win. Joe Biden is not... You know, the ultimate candidate, of course, Trump isn't either, but Maine is still too close to call. You would have thought that Bernie would have won that. He lives next door in Vermont, kind of. Bloomberg, <laughs> Mike Bloomberg is worth $61 billion, one of the richest men in the world. I mean, he's like in Bill Gates' neighborhood. He has spent, they're not sure because all the reporting isn't in, but according to the reporting that is in on, on what he has spent so far, he has spent more than $600 million on his own campaign. And some are saying it's over $700 million when all of the accounting is in. Mike Bloomberg, he said, I'm not going to go out there and run around the country and ask people to support me. 
I'm just going to buy television. Well, that didn't work out too well for him. Joe Biden yesterday in Super Tuesday got 453 delegates. Bernie Sanders, 382 delegates. Elizabeth Warren got 50. <laughs> I'll bet she, maybe she only has one hand in the air. She always walks around with both hands straight up. The only time I've seen that is at prayer meetings, and I don't think she goes to many of those. But anyway, she does that. She may have only one hand up this morning. I'm not sure, but Mike Bloomberg was next in line. He got 44 delegates. He bought 44 delegates. I mean, think about this. He bought 44 delegates for between five and $700 million. Wow. But he couldn't buy the candidacy because an hour ago, this morning, Pacific time, he dropped out. He said, I am suspending my campaign. He's supporting Joe Biden now. He says, I still have the same, um, ob- uh, my same goal. He said, I want to defeat Trump. And I think the best thing to do is drop out and support Joe Biden. Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, and others have done that already, and they're putting their support behind Joe Biden. So I would assume that Joe Biden is going to rise, and he's feeling it. He's, like I said, he's roaring this morning. He said, I'm alive. You know, I'm back. Okay, Joe. It's great. Anyway, that's what's happening in politics. We'll talk about that more seriously as we go forward because it is a very serious matter, but it's a little bit humorous sometimes. Particularly Joe Biden, is he is he is a contradiction of terms in, in many respects. But we'll see what happens. But it's kind of come down now to Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, it looks like, going forward. The Democratic Party, they do not want Bernie Sanders as their banner carrier. They want to talk about socialism. They want to kind of flirt with and have a relationship with socialism, but they don't want to really be labeled as a socialist. And that's what's really going on politically, in my view, at least. I want to leave you with what's happening, unfortunately, in the media again. It happened a couple of years ago, and I talked about it on this program. I wrote about it at the time. But over the past week, President Trump and Vice President Pence in separate moments, they've been having, they've been seen having prayer with citizens and with leaders. It happens all the time, but it particularly has come to the forefront now because the media has picked up on it and social media, and they're, they're mocking them over it. It's apparently too much for the media and the left. They can't find the inner strength to restrain themselves from mocking Trump and Pence and even God himself. They are. I was reminded of the verse in scripture that says, from the heart, the mouth speaks. You may remember that I talked about it, I wrote about it, but in March, February and March of 2018, (laughs) believe it or not, that's two years ago, ABC's The View began mocking Vice President Mike Pence over his personal relationship with God. On February 13th, I went back and checked this because I wanted to get the date right, because I know there are some that are listening that aren't supportive, and thank you for all of you who are, but there are some that are not. It's February 13th, for those of you who are looking. Anyway, the panel on The View criticized Pence's faith when co-host Sonny Hostin, she said, quote, I don't know that I want my vice president um, speaking in tongues and having Jesus speak to him. 
Co-host Joy Behar chimed in. She added that hearing from Jesus is actually called mental illness, illness, if I'm not mistaken. Those are quotes on ABC. ABC admitted that they had received at least 30,000 calls by the next day in 24 hours. They also admitted that their advertisers on the show, The View, it's on ABC, had received about 6,000 calls asking the the uh, supporters, the advertisers, to withdraw. It didn't happen, but they got these calls, massive calls, in 24 hours. Christians demanded that ABC and The View restrain themselves from spewing anti-Christian bigotry, even maybe apologize to the vice president. It was horrible. The Bible says that from the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's where their heart is. Over the past week, both president and vice president have had, again, and they do all the time. In the way, I mean, it goes on all the time. Trump, I don't think he leads in many prayers, but people are praying for him all the time. They lay their hands on him and everything. I wrote an article on this today, and I included in the article, I included some pictures of President Trump. And there's a Vedic king, and there's a whole group of black leaders and pastors and other just leaders, community leaders, they are praying for him. They're all black. It's a black group that met with the president just a few days ago. The first images emerged of Trump in this prayer. It was on February uh, the 27th. And uh, the president is sitting at his desk, and all these black leaders and black folks are all gathered around him, and they're praying for him. And men, when they pray, they really pray, and you can tell... They are, and there's some video of that. But another another uh, picture has emerged as well, separately, at a different time. But Mike Pence and the team, the coronavirus emergency team, are in, it looks like the Oval Office, but it's one of the offices there in the, in the White House. And they are all in prayer over this matter of coronavirus. The media and the press got a hold of these because they people there put them on their social media. CNN White House correspondent Brian Karam, he wrote that the administration is in over its head. He said, look, they're prayed. He said, that proves they're in over their head. They don't even know what they're doing. He tweeted, POTUS, President of the United States, is literally praying for a miracle to make coronavirus go away. Jordan Ull, he's the former campaign director for the, it's a far left media manners, Media Matters for America. It, it, it's very influential and highly funded. But they're mocking, he's mocking Trump's decision to put Pence in charge of the coronavirus task force. He said, very excited, very sarcastically, he said, very excited to hear all about Pence's coronavirus response plan. He's praying that God, small g, protects us. They're laughing and mocking. Thomas Chatterton Williams, he's a writer for the New York Times Magazine, He tweeted yesterday, Mike Pence and his coronavirus emergency team praying for a solution. We are so screwed. Over the past few days, the media has generally taken aim at Pence more than the prayer, the picture of the prayers by black people for for President Trump, because after all, blacks don't support Trump, right? Sure, that's what they say. New York Times published an article with all the late-night hosts who have slammed the administration's prayer response, quote-unquote, to the coronavirus. Clearly, by all honest accounts, the administration is taking every human action possible. I'm not defending the administration. I would, I would say so if I thought they were doing something wrong. I don't think they are. I mean, 
nobody, this isn't a perfect science. This coronavirus is out there and it's moving. And as we talked about a few minutes ago, I mean, the best experts, whether they're Democrat or Republican or whatever they are, whatever the color of their skin, they're all saying, man, we don't know how far this is going to go. We just have to do all the right things that we know to do. What's wrong with prayer? Why are these people mocking prayer? The mocking of Trump and Pence over prayer is very revealing. Back in 2018, you have to ask yourself, is mocking of God and prayer and the administration selective? Or do they just feel like that all the time? What about Joy Behar? What about these people on The View? What about ABC? What about all these people that are writers in very influential publications? Back in 2018, the same week they found ABC's The View mocking Pence for talking to God, The View, the crew on The View, or the people, those women that are sitting around that table, they were talking about Oprah. Same week. The same week. They were talking about Oprah. And they were suggesting, honestly, with a straight face, I'm quoting again, I went back and looked at this. They are quoting her, and they are saying she is waiting on God to direct her regarding her running for president of the United States in 2020. This was two years ago. They're hoping and praying that God would tell her to run? I thought that was a mental illness. No, it's only a mental illness if it's Mike Pence, or a Republican, or a conservative, or a biblical Christian. The paparazzi caught up with Kathy Lee Gifford at that time, who isn't on The View, wasn't. She was with NBC at the time. She isn't there now, I don't think. But anyway, they caught up with her, uh, and they asked her about these comments made by the people on The View. She said, I think I think Oprah is smart to listen to God and nobody else. And she went on and on and on about that. The founders, the founders of America had been struggling. They were trying to get the, the, the Constitution put together, and they were arguing over just how this new Constitution of the United States of America should look, what it should include, what it should not include. Let me leave you with this today. They had reached a stalemate. Ben Franklin was the smallest in stature, if it matters, but he was the least religious of all. He stood up and addressed George Washington. He said, Only a virtuous virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of man, and if the sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire can rise without it is is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? He said, We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this. He said, Otherwise we're going to end up like the builders of the Tower of Babel. He goes on to suggest that they start prayer, having prayer every morning before they start their deliberations. They were that conflicted over our Constitution. Clearly, Ben Franklin had read Psalm 127.1, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. That's where we are today. It isn't the Constitution but it's a virus, and tomorrow it may be something else. But we need to pray. We need to seek God. 
These people who are shooting off their mouth and mocking people who pray need to stop mocking and start reading because God says pray. <laughs> 